Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay to have fun in church. It's okay to have fun in church. Some of y'all didn't say it because you don't believe it. I could see it. Y'all need to get saved. That's all I'm saying. Today we're finishing the series, and the series we've been under is called Faith Under Pressure. And we've been looking at the persecution stories in the book of Acts. And we love just opening up the Bible and seeing what God has to say. We've been walking through persecution stories because if they could handle pressure and persecution, we have the same God that can help us handle pressure, persecution, conflict. We have the same God. And we're learning from these people who had incredible courage and reliance on God on how to handle the conflicts and the pressure and the persecution in our life. The title of this final installment of this collection of talks, the title today is When Jesus Stands. When Jesus Stands. I don't know what it is. At the nine o'clock this happened too. It's because God's already been preaching to me and I'm already at the conclusion. <laughs> and um, this particular passage, I've been waiting on this one. This is the story that made me wanna do the whole series. And in this series, we're gonna see Jesus standing. Kanye said, Jesus walks. Here we're gonna find out Jesus stands. Acts, and now I'm crying, I can't read. Um, Acts chapter six. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of freemen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those of Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And when they, then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen. This is the death of Stephen. This is the first one to die for the cause of Christ. Stephen in Acts chapter six was ordained as a deacon. He was raised up as a deacon. Now, what does that mean? A deacon is someone that they needed people to serve, like roll up their sleeves and serve food to the, to the widows and clean the tables and help with the distribution of, of compassion. And so they raised up people that they could trust to do that. So Stephen was a table washer. Stephen was a food, food passer out. And food, Stephen 
was a part of the compassion ministry. He was a deacon. He was not a preacher. Acts chapter seven, verse one. And the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, could have just said Stephen preached. Because he's about to launch on a sermon that is the longest sermon in the book of Acts. He outpreached Peter, he outpreached Paul, and his theology in this sermon is so rich and so powerful that Paul, who was present for this massacre, who was present for this death, though he was not saved yet, he was listening, and some people believe that Paul was so influenced by Stephen's sermon that it set the foundation for his own theology that we find in the book of Ephesians and Romans and letters to the Corinthians. So Peter, I mean, Stephen, the deacon, is about to lay it down. Now, I'm, I'm gonna read the first part, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna summarize the sermon in a minute. And the priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and sisters, hear me. The God of glory, and I'd love to read that again, and when we get to the God of glory, let's just all say it together, and don't be bashful, okay? Brothers and, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, go out from your land and go from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. And then he launches into this incredible, theologically rich history, a sermon tracing the history of Israel. Fast forward to verse 51, he, he winds up to the conclusion. He winds up to the conclusion and he says, you stiff-necked people, maybe not what you wanna say to the people who are threatening your life, who have your life in the palm of their hands, but he doubles down. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. That's some hard preaching. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw, and I'd love for us to say, the glory of God together. Gazed into heaven and saw, say it, the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and they rushed together. And in the Greek, it's rushed. You could, it's like the, the pounding of their feet. They rushed. It's like, a, like an avalanche of people descending upon Stephen. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And that's the first Christian martyr. A martyr is one who gives their life for Christ. Let's pray together. God, I pray that as we have read your word, I pray that it would come alive in the hearts of everyone listening. For some, that means saving faith. For some, that means that, God, you're knocking on the door of their soul saying, if you just open the door and let me in. So, God, I pray right now that many would find saving faith today. They'd cross the line of faith. They would become Christ followers. I pray, God, for freedom in this house. May we never, ever be the same again. We leave here different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, this, this story is like something out of a movie for me. And, and there is a scene in this story that for me kind of is the anchor of this story. You know, movies are like that. Movies have scenes that like are just, they're the, it's the scene you think of when you think of that movie, right? Like maybe you would remember um, in Titanic, this is the scene I remember, right? You know. Um, anybody ever, maybe some of you remember Scarface, some, some of you, maybe not some of you. Young. Say hello to my little friends. Um, or Lord of the Rings, you shall not pass, right? That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, how about Princess Bride? Yeah, Princess Bride. My name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. This is where Darth Vader reached out. You know, and you, what you're thinking, he said, is, Luke, I am your father. But that's not what he said. That's not what he said. He said, no, I am your father. Not to geek out, but that's what he said. Okay? Some of y'all are like, man, this is my church. I mean, we're doing Lord of the Rings. We're doing, uh, we're doing uh, Empire Strikes Back. What's next? Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> but... Uh, no, there are those scenes. And in this story, there's a scene. And, I mean, there's a lot of great moments. I mean, there's the moment where signs and wonders are occurring. That would make an awesome movie for Stephen and signs and wonders. There would be, it'd be an awesome, awesome scene in the movie uh, whenever he is arrested and, and he's asked, hey, are you doing this? And instead of defending himself, he goes straight to the good news of Jesus Christ and he begins to preach to those who would normally be preaching. And that would be awesome, but that's not the scene for me. Uh, maybe it would be whenever they rush upon him and they throw him off of a, of a higher place, maybe off of a, a little bit off of a cliff and they throw him down and, and maybe, maybe even just as high as this to the floor as I am from the floor and just throw him down, they begin to throw stones upon him. Maybe that would be the scene. But for me, and I believe biblically, and I believe theologically, the scene that is the anchor of this story is not the death of Stephen. The scene that is the anchor of this story is when the heavens parted and the Bible very clearly says that Stephen saw Jesus standing. He saw Jesus standing. That's interesting as I study the Bible. Very interesting as I study the Bible. Because 
the Bible teaches that when Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he taught to hundreds of people, risen, showed himself, evidenced himself that I am physically risen. I'm not wounded, I didn't escape, I'm healed, I have a glorified body, I'm new, I am God in the flesh. He proved it to everybody, which is why we're here today. That he then went to be with God. And he literally went to be with God. And he, the Bible says, is at the right hand of God right now. And you say, okay, that's what it said. That's what Stephen said, that he's standing at the right hand of God. But that's not what it says everywhere else in the Bible. Everywhere else in the Bible, I'll give you three examples. Luke twenty two sixty nine. 69, but from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Mark 16, 19, so then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And yet here, the only place in scripture where Jesus is not seated at the right hand of God, he is standing at the right hand of God. Now, there's no clear explanation right after he stood. They didn't say, and the reason he was standing is, so we're left to ask the question, Jesus, why were you standing? It's such a singular event that either the good Dr. Luke, who was writing the book of Acts, wanted us to see this, or the Holy Spirit, through Luke, wanted us to see this, but what I do know is God wanted us to see this. It's such a singular moment in scripture. It's so unique, it stands out so much that we're forced to look at this and ask the question. And I believe God is leaving us with a bit of attention why, why would Jesus stand? Well, here's what I do know. I know, I know that when Jesus stood, which he didn't do, hasn't done anywhere else in scripture, when Jesus stood, all of Jesus stood. He didn't leave behind some of his traits, characteristics. He didn't leave behind who he was or parts of who he was when he stood. All of Jesus stood, and here's what I know about Jesus. I know that in that moment, Jesus, uh, Stephen, needed an advocate. I know in that moment, Stephen needed hope. I know in that moment, Stephen couldn't defend himself, and he needed a defender. And when I read my Bible, I see scriptures that claim Jesus is our advocate. I see Jesus is our hope, and I see scripture after scripture where he is a shield about us. He is our defender. So when Jesus was standing, he was standing as Stephen's advocate. He was standing as the hope of Stephen, and he was standing, he was standing as a shield, as the ultimate defender of Stephen. And when you look into the eyes of Jesus, you see him for all that he is. So today, I'd love to see Jesus standing. I'd love for you to see Jesus standing because I know that Jesus went from a posture of sitting to a posture of standing. That's in the text. And I know that it was the death of Stephen that provoked this change in posture. So I know the advocate, the hope, and the defender was standing in response to Stephen, and I believe Jesus today could stand in response to us. Let's break it down. 
Verse eight, Stephen was full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Jesus stands when we give God full, full, full permission to move in and through us. Jesus stands when we allow God to have total permission to move through our lives. God, every door is open to you. Every door. All of it. We have a way of choosing which doors we want God to have access to. Door number one, call it marriage. Door number two, call it parenting. Yeah, I'll give God my marriage. Yeah, I'll give God my parenting. Door number three, money. Door number four, pleasure seeking. Eh. I mean, if it's New Year's Eve, I'm gonna shut that door to God. If it's my 40th birthday, I'm gonna shut the door to God. You find yourself shutting the door more often than you realize. Pleasure seeking, all these doors in our life. What God is saying here is Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, which means he was emptied of everything else. That means he had all the doors unlocked and open for God to open as he chooses. You know, in my family, um, we kind of have a don't lock your door, you know. Now we'll knock. Most of the time, we'll knock. But when I say don't lock my door, I'm not talking about the outside of my door. I mean, trust me, you don't wanna come up on me like that. But I'm talking about with the kids, you know. We'll knock and then we'll come in. And it's just kind of an accountability thing, you know, it's just kind of a thing. I believe that we need to keep the doors unlocked for God. We need to keep the doors unlocked for God. We need to have all the doors unlocked. God, you wanna talk to me about my marriage? I humbly, it's uncomfortable, I don't like it, I feel awkward, but God, you wanna talk to me about my marriage? I'm ready to talk about my marriage. You wanna change the way I parent? Well, that's my preference. This is the way I like to parent, but now you're all up in my business as I read scripture telling me I'm doing it wrong, that when I discipline in anger and I get mad and I lose my my self-control, that that's actually not just the fact that I'm Italian. (laughs) It's actually sinful. And you want me to break You want me to break chains, so I'm not gonna discipline or engage my kids with anger or outbursts. That's all the doors open. All the doors open creates a supernatural thing. All the doors open means the resurrection power is ready to flow through your life. And hear me, that is a supernatural life. We saw signs and wonders flowing through this man full of the Holy Spirit of God. We are experiencing at Keystone Church, I want you to hear this, if you're a guest, you need to know this. We at Keystone Church are experiencing signs and wonders. We are experiencing signs and wonders. Uh, We had a revival night last Sunday night, and we had on this stage right here, we had two people come up, one of whom was healed at revival night, the last revival night. They were healed. Another came up and said she had received prayer at a revival night, and she had, she had had some difficult pregnancies, and she had she'd gotten down, and she was, she was just kneeling down and needing prayer, and an eighth grade girl came and prayed for her. Let me tell you something. Eighth grade girl can pray for someone and they be healed. Listen, you don't have to go find some healer on a mountaintop to pray for you. If you have the Spirit of God, you can pray for somebody's healing. She received that prayer, and as her pregnancy proceeded, 
her symptoms got better and she was able to carry the baby in a way that was far life-changingly better than the last pregnancy. That's tangible. This is so cool. We're seeing signs and wonders. Every time you see somebody baptized, and we saw 140 students baptized, that is signs and wonders. <laughs> what greater miracle is there than life to death? That's signs and wonders. So we're experiencing signs and wonders at Keystone, and, and, and we share those stories of faith. So if you have one of those stories, man, please share it. God's stories build faith. Faith agrees with God. God, I agree with you. You wanna talk to me about this? I agree with you. Okay, you wanna talk to me about that? Okay, I'm in agreement. You can talk to me about that. God is a gentleman. The same God that saves you gives you saving grace that you could not create yourself, but he puts you in a position for you to freely receive him. Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no work on your part, but there is confession, there's choice. And we see the same God that allows you the choice for salvation is the same God that allows you choice for sanctification. What does that mean? It's a biblical word, theological word for. The same God that saves you is the same God that grows you. But you gotta, you gotta give him permission. He's a gentleman. God, I give you permission to grow my life past my blind spots, past my lids, all of that. Faith agrees with God. Faith unlocks our potential and the supernatural you begins to create change. There's a supernatural you, but you don't get to the supernatural you without faith. So be encouraged by faith stories. It'll build your faith. Share your faith stories with your kids. It'll build their faith. And as their faith is built, they trust God more. As you trust God more, your life is unlocked. As your life is unlocked, more of the supernatural you comes into play. You're changing your family tree forever. Everything starts to change. It's amazing. It's amazing. By the way, this is a great matrix for believing God for tithing. Believing God that, God, I, I agree with you that you say bring that first 10% and then I'll bless the rest of the 90. Oh, no, no, this is a door we want shut. He says, you trust me with this, I will bless your socks off. And then guess what happens? Whenever I preach on tithing, and this is not a tithing message, this is not a giving message except for like right now. And, uh, but whenever I do stuff like this and people begin to trust and they say, okay, Brandon, I, I've not wanted to do it, I was even left a little mad, the last time you talked about it, but then I just, God got a hold of me and I said, I'm gonna tithe. And then the stories come in, y'all. But you don't get that supernatural life if you do not trust God, okay? Next, Jesus stands when spirit-filled believers are strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. We should do a billboard. Courage is built here. This is where courage is built, right here. In this house, this is where we build your courage. This is where we cultivate your courage. This is where you get preached up to walk through the hallways of your school. This is where courage is built. This is where courage is built for you to have that hard relational conversation that the Lord is leading you to have. This is where courage is built for conflict resolution. This is where courage is built for you to stand strong in your career and believe God has your back. This is where courage is built. What did we see with Stephen? so courageous, he said, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. That's some hardcore stuff. That's some hardcore stuff, so much courage. 
We have students that the Lord is getting a hold of their life. We have young adults that the Lord is getting a hold of their life and they're being courageous. We have some young adults that have been going out to Fort Worth and standing outside of a bar that they would usually go into. This is where they would go. And this is where they would go and have a, have a Friday night. And now they're standing outside holding a sign and I, I think it says something like Jesus changes lives or Jesus could change your life or X mark religion and then underline relationship, signs like that. Like real, and these are, these are like, these are athletes. These are football players and baseball players. That's who, that's who these guys are. And they're going out there. I found out in between the services that one of them's even been punched. And they're not mean and arrogant like, you know, bullhorn Christian and Sunday Square. I mean, you know, it's not that. It's not that. They're, they're nice, they're, they're sweet, they're, they just wanna pray for people. And one of them's been punched. And they've been ridiculed. But with a smile on their face, in between services, smile. Yeah, but man, I've led a bunch of people to the Lord. This guy's parents were telling me, man, this dude is inspiring us to have courage, to have courage. Jesus stands for truth. It took a lot of courage for, G for Stephen to stand like that, but he wouldn't have stood like that if he wasn't anchored into solid truth. Stephen launched on a massive sermon. I'm gonna summarize the sermon, and it goes like this, that as he preached the sermon, it started out where he started talking about Abraham, and then he navigated his way to Joseph, and then he navigated his way to Moses, and then he navigated his way to the prophets, and then he navigated his way and landed on Jesus. And articulately, deftly, he began to rightly divide the word of truth as he began to expose how, hey, Moses came and you rejected him. Abraham came and you rejected him. Joseph was rejected, the prophets were rejected, and Jesus was rejected. It was a powerful message. You don't have a message like that if you do not have truth in your heart. Truth in your heart. What we believe really does affect our behavior. It really does. What you believe radically impacts your behavior. Now, many of us, we will come at it the other angle. We'll come at it the other angle. In our culture, we have a tendency to have feelings that determine what we believe. But what the Bible here is saying is, develop your beliefs and they will drive your feelings. I don't know about you, but my marriage needs a husband that has belief about marriage and then those feelings grow out of the strong, beautiful soil of truth. Because if you've been married long enough, you're gonna have seasons where you need to lean on truth because you don't have those feelings. Anybody with me right now or am I preaching by myself? You're gonna need to land on some truth. You're gonna need that. You're gonna need to be able to grab hold of what God says suffer from an addiction. You're not gonna be feeling sober on a particular day. You're not gonna feel clean. You're gonna feel shame. And God's gonna speak over you. You have sacrificed, you have gotten clean. You have walked the walk. Don't let your past keep speaking over you. That's truth, truth directing feelings. 
In our culture, we are soaked with the sentiment, follow your heart. We say, I fell in love. I've never seen anybody walking along, boom, I fell in love. You know, that, that says that love is an uncontrollable, overwhelming, unpredictable force. And if that's the case, no marriage in this room is safe. Because the same storm that led you together, oh, there's the storm again, can lead you apart. We need truth. We need truth. It's the truth that whenever you're confused about who you are, even your personal identity, you're confused about your sexuality, you're confused about these desires, you're confused and you have doubts and you're not sure, even to the point of questioning your, your gender, man, let the church surround you and remind you, you are beautifully made, you are wonderfully made. God made you a beautiful woman. God made you a manly man. God made you that, and we love you, and we support you, and we're with you, and we'll walk you through these doubts. You don't have to walk with those doubts alone. I'm convinced there's a whole community of people that had the church just surrounded them in their doubts, but we left them alone, and they had nowhere else but turn but people who would reinforce those doubts. That's where they found their community. Oh man, we hold on to our truth, don't we church? We hold on to our truth and we will surround you with it and there's nothing more loving than the truth of God. I made you this way and it's beautiful and you may doubt it today, but I promise you, you're gonna see just how beautiful you are. Jesus stands for truth. The great prophet, theologian, I'd say probably none of you have heard of, heard of or read some of his theological works. Uh, Deion Sanders. <laughs> he said, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. <laughs> I didn't try to do my Deion Sanders, but he is an awesome follow on Instagram. Um, Here's what I know. What he's really saying, this isn't a matrix for me to get you more money. Here's, here's, what, here's what he's really saying is, what he, underneath that, that phrase is really a, a truth, and the truth is, don't wake up and just feel your way through your life. Put on the clothes. Put on the clothes. You determine your mindset when you put on those clothes. Can I just tell you, God wants you to put on your clothes. Every day you dress yourself with the truth of God. Every single day you put on those clothes and you, you put on those clothes and watch your feelings follow your obedience. Some of you, you're just letting your feelings dress you every day and you're coming out looking all raggedy. <laughs> the Bible is what shapes our beliefs. The Bible is what shapes our beliefs. Jesus stands, Jesus stands when believers embrace future glory over present pain. This is a big one. This is rare air. This is the church we wanna be. This is the church we are. If you're a guest here today, you've walked into this point. This is who we are. This is who we are. We are a people who have decided, now we may not feel it all the time, but we've decided, I'm willing to embrace present pain for future glory, and I believe the future glory is far greater and better than whatever present pain I may feel. And that gives you courage. It gives you the courage of Stephen. Saul was standing there holding the coats and cheering it on as they stoned Stephen. 
chapter nine, we find Saul becomes a Christ follower. Saul wrote these words. I wonder if he was thinking about Stephen. To the Roman church, chapter eight, he said in verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. He heard Stephen calling out to Jesus. He heard Stephen speaking of Jesus standing. He heard that. He was there. He heard the sermon and he saw the death and he witnessed how he died. And Paul was undeterred once he found Christ that he would follow in the footsteps of Stephen to the point he himself died for following Jesus. So what we learn here is that Stephen was standing for Jesus and Jesus was standing for Stephen. I had you say some words out loud. It was a preacher technique so that you'd remember them. Do you remember what we said? The God of glory. There you go the glory of God. At the beginning of the story, he says, the God of glory. At the end of the story, he sees him and says, the glory of God. I wanna speak this over you today. If you are going through a hard moment, if you'll just put your eyes on the God of glory, then you will experience the glory of God. If you're hurting today, could I get you to stop looking down? Could I get you to look up like Stephen? And could I get you to look and, and focus your eyes? Focus your eyes, tune your eyes, tune your eyes, tune your attention. Let your eyes focus. No, 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 not this, not this. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing my eyes. Right now, I'm focusing my eyes on the God of glory, and something begins to well up in your spirit. That is the glory of God, the presence of God. He is rewarding you with your focus by giving you something that you need that you could not generate yourself. You can't generate the glory of God. You can't produce the glory of God. It is given, it is bestowed, it is revealed, it is, it is imparted. And that glory of God is available to every person listening to my voice online in the room. I'm telling you, why are you not experiencing the glory of God? You may not be focusing on the God of glory. Today, I wanna pronounce that God wants to be your God. The God of glory wants to give you the glory of God. And it'll walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. It'll walk you through that messy divorce. It'll walk you through that painful friendship struggle. It'll walk you through a crisis at work. It'll walk you through bad health. It'll walk you through anything. The glory of God will get you through anything. So here's what I'd love for us to do. Can we stand to our feet? And I wanna pray over you. And when I'm done praying, we're gonna start singing. And we start singing, and I'm gonna go ahead and ask the pastors and prayer team to go ahead and make their way to the front of the, of the room. We have asked our prayer team and some of our pastors to come and receive you if you would like prayer. 
something in this series, something in this talk today has stirred in your heart. Maybe it's just something in life and you'd love to pray. Maybe you'd like to pray for someone else. Maybe it's a marriage thing. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe you weren't able to come to Revival Night. You wanted to come and pray for healing. We'd love to pray for that. Maybe you would say, I wanna be saved. I wanna become a Christ follower. You can come forward. If you're online, man, text whatever's on your screen. Text life to the number on your screen. And we'd love to connect with you and help you find life. Can I pray for you? Father, we pray right now as this altar is open, as we begin to sing with all of our hearts, God, that we would have a room that's free to pray, a room that embraces ministry and a room that embraces us doing some work with our souls. As we sing, God, I pray that something would be unlocked. God, I pray that something would free up. Father, I pray against any distractions right now. And God, I pray that we would find you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Come, we're waiting for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.